Hello there, I'm Leighton. I head up sustainability and ESG at Powerscourt. I'm joined by my colleague, Jordan Webb. Say hello, Jordan. Hi, Leighton. We're here to talk a little bit today about the run-up to COP27 and some of the things we expect to be discussed there. Uh, maybe it's worth to start with Jordan just talking a bit about what COP27 is. So I will be traveling to Egypt next week for COP27, which will be held in Sharm el-Sheikh. Uh, for those of you who don't know, COP stands for Conference of the Parties. It is the UN's annual climate change conference, um, which has been now in its 27th year, so almost three decades. And it's the preeminent forum for bringing together world leaders, governments, businesses, scientists, civil society, and activists find solutions to solving the climate crisis. What do you expect we're going to be hearing about in COP27? COP27 is an implementation COP. So that means the focus is going to be on actually how to deliver on commitments that were set in COP26 and in previous years. And beyond that, the conference is going to be structured into a series of thematic days. So those will cover everything from finance to decarbonization to water, gender and biodiversity. The way COPs are structured is you have different zones. So there's the blue zone, which is where all of the policy negotiations happen, where the world leaders will be. Then you've got the green zone, which is an area for civil society, youth, activists, NGOs, and businesses to convene. And then there's the innovation zone, which is the hub for private sector engagement, which is where I'll be spending a lot of my time. We know just from our contacts at the innovation zone that there's going to be quite a large focus on the built environment and on hydrogen. But for world leaders in the blue zone, where policy negotiations are taking place, there's going to be a really large focus on this concept of loss and damage, the idea that wealthier countries who have contributed the most to climate change have a responsibility to help developing nations which have been disproportionately affected by the negative impacts of climate change they have a responsibility to help those countries develop resilience to climate related disasters through funding this is particularly important when you think about the fact that 80 percent of our global emissions are from the g20 previously wealthier nations have promised to give developing countries $100 billion in finance to help them build climate resilience. Recent figures show that they're falling short of that commitment by $83 billion. Um, Some estimates say how much as much as $90 billion. So it shows that there's a lot of work to be done. Loss and damage was heavily debated at COP26. The world is definitely going to be looking to Egypt to see which progress is made on that theme, especially after the year we've had with a number of climate-related environmental disasters and mounting temperatures across the globe. So we know from the science that climate change is only getting worse and we are at the, sort of the brink of a climate disaster. And Leighton, I know you spend a lot of time researching this, so what is the latest data showing us when it comes to climate change? It's been a really interesting week, um, and as you expect, um, leading up to COP, an awful number of reports have come out um, giving us the the state of climate change and where we're at. Um, The United Nations have put out uh, a few reports from the UNEP, the United Nations Environment Programme, and UNCC, United Nations Climate Change. Um, All of the reports that have come out are fairly united in in the projections of, of global warming. They're all predicting we are on course to heat up somewhere between 2.4 and 2.9 degrees C. The latest report from, from UNEP has said that 
by 2030, we should be reducing our carbon emissions by 45%, but they reflect that actually we will be increasing emissions by 10.6% over the same time period. So, so we're completely off track in that respect. Interestingly, a report that came out from Oxford consultancy 3Keel, who are looking at the built environment, um, particularly at the G20 and their performance, found that no country was even close to renovating buildings in line with a rate that would help them meet the Paris Agreement. In fact, some of the world leading economies were described as being highly insufficient in that regard. And it's not only at the country level. A report came out from MSCI looking at companies. They have 9,300 public companies in their universe. Uh, and by looking at the, at the climate um, plans and the net zero plans of those companies, they believe that the world is going to warm between 2.1 and 2.9 degrees by the end of the centuries. Also rather concerningly, they found that only 41 companies have net zero plans um, that have been verified by the Science Based Target Institute of those 9,300. A lot of these reports did note that lots of pledges have been made by companies and by countries committing to do things some of them conditional if they get certain money and if certain factors um, come into play and actually they get down to 1.8 degrees of warming if all the pledges were to happen but there's no way of holding countries and companies accountable they are just words these need to be enshrined in ndcs the data doesn't look good i think the, the only encouraging thing is we are making progress. They refer to it as, as bending the line downwards in terms of the projections on climate change. So we are starting to reach that point where we're, we're rounding off at the top, but um, it's coming very, very late and, and likely we're going to hit the tipping point sooner rather than later. Given the focus on this COP being an implementation COP and all of the, the data that you just said about you know where we are with these pledges, how much do you think has actually changed since COP26, what have companies, countries achieved and where do you think we'll be by the time that COP27 kicks off in just a few days? I think it's fair to say that progress has been poor since COP26. Um, I believe 24, only 24 of the country's NDCs, the nationally determined contributions, that is the, the actual commitments they've made to reduce their emissions, only 24 have been updated. And those changes have uh, will equate to only 1% reduction in emissions by 2030. So, so a negligible amount compared to what's needed. Far, far more needs to be done between this COP and the next COP. Speaking of the next COP, just looking ahead to the future, I mean, ideally, we don't want to be in a world where we're at COP50, COP60. I mean, we want to sort of solve these problems. You know, and we're now in almost the 30th year of COP. How has it changed over the years? How important is COP27 compared to previous COPs? Yeah, I mean, the, the COPs are becoming much more recognisable. I mean, as the world heats up, um, it, it's, it's inevitable that more attention is going to be from the media and from other stakeholders is going to be on these COPs. Um, there are big COP years and little COP years. COP21, COP26 were some of the big years. But I think even now, the smaller COPs, the COP27, the COP28 next year in, in the UAE, they are becoming a lot more prominent and a lot more um, important in terms of a, of a discussion platform. I think the important thing 
people are likely to start getting weary of, of these cops if they don't deliver anything in much the same way as the language used around climate catastrophe climate emergency is actually numbing people a little bit these cops will run out of, of, of the importance that they will lose some of their importance if they're just seen as another junket that delegates and corporates turn up to discuss things and nothing happens so I think for me the really important thing with this cop will be a load of politicians and a load of business leaders standing on a stage being presented with the data I discussed earlier and being asked to explain why this glide path is, is nowhere near on track and what they're going to do about it. The data is there, it, it's irrefutable, and they're going to be held to account of it. And that's going to be the big thing in this COP. Well, I know all eyes will definitely be on, on Sharm El Sheikh in the next two weeks. As I said, I will be in Egypt for the first week of COP27 and will be sharing my experiences and reporting on, on insights and takeaways from the conference and the negotiations and, and daily updates. If you are interested in receiving Powers Court's daily live from COP27 wrap, you can sign up at the link in the show notes. That's all we have time for today. Next week's Friday Fix, I will be speaking to you live from COP27. I look forward to listening to it, Jordan, and I look forward to receiving my postcard from Egypt. All, all the best. <laughs>